From Yahoo Finance, this is Ballots and Dollars, a podcast about the politics that affect your pocketbook. I'm Rick Newman. And I'm Alexis Christophers. Today, we are talking about how the economy, not impeachment, may actually make or break President Trump's reelection bid in 2020. And Rick, when you when you look at it, the economy under Trump's watch ticks a lot of boxes. Unemployment at a 50-year low, low inflation, low interest rates, a tax overhaul, a new NAFTA. And it looks like this phase one trade deal might actually be in the bag. So what can Trump do to goose this economy in 2020? Uh, probably not much. I mean, he's already goosed the economy, mainly with that tax cut that went into effect in 2018. Uh, so if the, if Trump were a normal president, I think uh, his reelection odds would be pretty good. I mean, um, most of the forecasts for 2020 say recession unlikely. Uh, probably we're going to have modest economic growth. But unemployment is super low at uh, an unemployment rate of 3.5 percent. Uh, and I think if you if 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 uh, you just kept the economy going the way it is right now, relatively slow growth, but no obvious problems. I think that normally would be a good case for uh, the incumbent's reelection. Trump is obviously not a normal president. Um, so and you're saying that because what need, the impeachment? Makes well, yeah, him just because abnormal. of impeachment, and he's he's unpopular. I mean, he was unpopular before impeachment. He has never gotten above fifty percent approval, uh, and for most of his presidency, he's been in the low forties. So for his entire presidency, more people disapprove of him than approve of him. And impeachment hasn't really changed that. Uh, uh, it, it, the numbers basically have stayed the same through the whole through the impeachment process so far. Um, so. Uh, I think Trump is going to need more than a decent economy. I think he's going to need a pretty strong economy, and he might need an economy that is stronger than we're likely to have in uh, 2020. Um, one, I would quibble with one thing you said in your uh, in your introduction. I'm not sure about that phase one trade deal. Uh, where is it? Um, this could change, uh, I guess, at any point, but we still have not seen what's in the, the, the phase one trade deal. They haven't released any text. The, the Chinese have been kind of tight-lipped about it. Um, Although the Chinese are now saying they're going to lift tariffs on a number of products, not only from the right. U.S., but around the world yeah, because they a, realize they need to start doing something to help their own economy. That's supposed to go into effect January 1, and at least our correspondent, Jess Smith in D.C., is thinking that phase one trade deal could be signed shortly thereafter. I guess. Um, but you're right. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I just remain incredibly skeptical of everything Trump says about the China trade deal because he has consistently uh, said things are going to happen that ended up not happening. He's He's been more optimistic uh, by a lot uh, for the entirety of this process. Um, so I'm just skeptical about that. But uh, the uh, tariff actions that China's taken, that's not really about the United States. They're lowering tariffs for basically for products they need. Um, right. You know, they need pork, for example, because their their uh, swine uh, swine flu. Sw they've had a swine flu yep. epidemic that's killed off a lot of their um, pork, so they need pork. So, not surprisingly, they're lowering uh, tariffs in some cases zero on things they need, like pork. Now, a number of folks are out. It's the end of the year, so a number of people are out with their forecasts for yep. growth for next year. Oxford Economics, we follow closely. We have their economist, Greg Dacko, on yeah. uh, the first trade quite I've often. Got their outlook right here. You do so do My I. Charts. It is it is a good read um, and. They're looking at about 2% growth right. next year. If, if, if we've got 2% growth and an unemployment rate that remains below 4%, is that enough to get Trump reelected? So their actual forecast is they expect – so let's just give some context here. So 2018, last year, was pretty good, 2.9% um, GDP growth. 
Um, that was that matched the highest level ever under Obama. Um, so Obama had one year of 2.9 percent. That was his highest. And now Trump has had one year of 2.9 percent. That's his highest. Uh, Oxford Economics thinks it's probably going to fall to about 2.3 percent for 2019. And then they're saying by next year, going to slow further down to 1.6 percent. So they, they think it's going to fall below 2 percent. And uh, most of the forecasting firms, I mean, we follow a lot of them. Moody's Analytics is another word, another one, Capital Economics. And they're all about the same. They all uh, expect about the same thing. I mean, the general outlook is uh, not a recession. Not very many uh, economists are predicting a recession, but that we're going to have growth that kind of feels like we have now. The good thing about that is that if we have even 1.5 or percent or 2 percent growth, is the job market will remain strong. So that basically means no layoffs. Um, we are no, there's this phrase full employment. Nobody quite knows what full employment is, but um, you think well that means every single person who wants, wants or a needs job. a job has one, which yeah. is not really the definition of what. Yeah, that is. and there are some people not counted in the, in the unemployment rate. So if you're not working and you're not looking for a job, you're not counted. You're not counted. Right. Um, and then when you start looking for a job, you are then counted. Um, so there are some counting issues there. But look, 3.5% unemployment is a 50-year low. However you slice and, it, And uh, the job good. market is pretty good. And that shows up in consumer confidence and it shows up in people spending money. So Americans are not going crazy with their credit cards, but they are uh, they're spending uh, enough to keep the economy going. So again, uh, if, if we get 1.5 or 2% growth in 2020 – it's going to be a close call because um, Trump, you know, you could make the case that Trump needs 2.5 or 3 percent growth and he really needs an economy on fire. Um, and, and people who don't just feel comfortable in their jobs, but people who feel like they're getting wealthier month by month by month. And a lot of Americans don't feel that way. They feel like they're getting by, but they don't feel like they're killing it. And one sector of the economy that may not feel like they're doing all that great and partaking in this strong economy are those in the manufacturing sector, right. mostly in the Midwest, yeah. a lot of those people, uh, Trump base. Do you think that one of the biggest threats to Trump's reelection are those manufacturing states and the state of manufacturing, which we know fell into a recession yeah. shortly after the trade I mean, war started? Th that's that's a great question. Um, so we can and we can go through what are some of the vulnerabilities for Trump on the economy? That is certainly one of them. Um, so uh, the manufacturing sector has been in modestly declining in terms of output. Um, so if it's in recession, it's a very modest recession. But is it going to get worse? I mean, two questions about that. Will this manufacturing recession get worse and will it spread to other parts of the economy? So manufacturing today is a smaller part of the economy than it has been in the past. It's only about 11 percent of uh, the total economy at this point. But it's very important. And manufacturing was a key theme for Trump in 2016. Remember, he said he's going to get tough with China and he's going to bring jobs back from China, jobs that went overseas as so much manufacturing left the United States for low-cost places like China. Um, that has not happened. Um, so uh, th that raises a couple of questions. First, whoever the Democratic nominee is, is that person going to um, hit Trump on that? Is that person going to be highlighting Trump said he was going to br be bringing back these manufacturing jobs? He hasn't. Um, manufacturing employment has picked up under Trump, but it has picked up at about the same pace it improved under Obama. So that trend line has been intact and now it's leveling off. We're not seeing job losses yet in, in manufacturing. I think that's a really big deal. Um, and that's a huge question for 2020. Will we start to see actual job losses in manufacturing? Um, you know, uh, U.S. Steel just closed a plant in Michigan and that's uh, that's going to kill 1,500 jobs. I mean, Michigan, a key state, 
Um, Trump won it and Democrats won it back. And that's one of the five or six states that will swing the election. So also Pennsylvania, one, where we're actually seeing unemployment start to rise yeah. there. It's actually higher than the national average. I think it's a, a little above four percent at last. So track. what's the tipping point in terms of dissatisfaction with Trump? It, you know, is is there even a tipping mm-hmm. point? Um uh, or is it just a gradual thing and no one knows exactly? So when you when you hear about uh, 1,500 jobs lost at a steel mill in Michigan, are those people going to be able to find jobs elsewhere or, or are they not going to be able to find jobs elsewhere? Are they going to you know end up uh, long-term unemployed? Are they going to have to move or what? I mean, uh, 1,500 jobs is not a lot in the scheme of the whole economy, but it is a lot in a state because that's 1,500 families and a lot of people know those families. And if they can't get absorbed elsewhere in the labor force, um, that's a lot of hardship cases. So these, this is definitely one of the vulnerabilities for Trump. And by the way, he um, does have some uh, power to affect what happens in manufacturing because one, not all, not all of the trouble in manufacturing is coming from Trump's trade war, but that's hurting manufacturing probably more than other industries. And it's because he has raised the cost of uh, $200 billion worth of imports that are basically go-to U.S. manufacturers. These are these so-called intermediate goods, not consumer goods, but these are components. Some of the raw materials? Yeah, raw materials and components that go to largely to manufacturers here, and then they use those to produce other things. So manufacturing costs have gone up thanks to Trump. Um, And he did not roll back those tariffs as part of the phase one trade deal. The only tariffs he rolled back, and he didn't eliminate his new tariffs, he just cut them in half. The only tariffs he rolled back were on um, some consumer goods imported from China. Not all, but some. And uh, that's not going to help manufacturing. So Trump could, uh, I mean, if he thinks it would help his re-election odds, I have no doubt he would try. I don't know if he will, though. He could uh, just remove those uh, tariffs that are hurting manufacturing here. But then that would look like capitulation in the trade war. It would look like capitulation to China. So he's boxed himself in a little bit on this because he doesn't want um, – he wants to say he accomplished something with regard to China. And if he just imposes tariffs and then, takes and them then unimposes them, he has raised costs for American firms uh, with nothing to sh- – Show for it, exactly. What about the agriculture industry and farmers? Another one. Um, Do you think that that, the risk is as high as the manufacturing sector is for Trump's re-election? I think it's not as high because uh, there just are fewer farmers than Mm -hmm. there are manufacturing workers. So the farm vote is important, uh, but there are – I have to, I'm thinking about how to the, how to characterize this because there aren't been... a, there aren't a ton of farmers in the United States, but there are. But the farm economy is a big deal. So there are, are uh, you know many communities that depend on farming. Even if you're not a farmer, you are selling products or equipment to farmers um, or somehow involved in agriculture. Um, but there seem to be more concessions the Chinese have made recently regarding our agriculture industry that maybe yeah. will help them enough, these farmers, to feel confident about voting for Trump big, again. Big, big open question. So um, Trump has been able to help the farm uh, farmers hurt by his trade war more than he's been able to help manufacturers because of the farm bailout. Um, so uh, the agriculture department has access to money it can use on its own discretion without having to get uh, congressional approval to uh, subsidize farmers for what it, for a variety of reasons. And Trump, I think the number is $28 billion over two years. Uh, he has um, basically given to farmers to uh, try to make them whole because they've lost sales to China. Um, so, I mean, what you hear from uh, the farm community is, 
these help, these subsidies help. We would rather just be selling our product. We don't really want the bailout. But if you're going to effectively close markets to us and uh, eliminate, uh, you know, big markets for soybeans and pork and all kinds of other stuff, corn, wheat, um, sure, I guess we'll take it. I guess we'll take it. So that has helped the farm economy somewhat. There is no such bailout for manufacturers unless you count the tax cut that went into effect in 2018, which did help some manufacturing firms. I'm not sure it helped the workers as much, but it helped the firms. Certainly helped Wall Street and the stock market. Boy, oh boy, what yeah. a year 2019 has been, right? The Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ rallying each of them double digits to record highs. I think the Dow yeah. is up better than 43% as of this podcast. Um, and a lot of that is due, as we talk to lots of uh, market professionals all the time, they say it's due to his corporate tax cuts, due deregulatory agenda on things like energy, financial services industry. Is Trump's reelection also hinging on stock market performance, because he's a president who I can't remember in my time ever having a president mention the stock market quite as much as President Trump. Well, he's had a great stock market. I mean, uh, that's why he's mentioned it so much. And of course, he takes credit for it. Um, The stock market has um, stock market gains under Trump have actually been a little weaker than they were under Obama at the same point in his first term. uh, And I think over Obama's entire eight years, I think uh, stocks did better on an annual basis. So my point, and, and by the way, I hate the argument like who who was better, Trump or Obama? Um, it's, it's it's kind not, of a dumb it's argument. An easy it's the economy go, moves on its own, answer, and presidents right. don't really have that. And they just much sort of, of happen to be in the White House when they, when right. these things happen. And Obama had lucky timing in a way because he came in as the Great Recession was ending. Right. Uh, it ended five months after uh, he took office and. Uh, 2009. But at any rate, yeah, a a, a strong stock market helps Trump. It's not everything. I mean, we talk about this a lot on Yahoo Finance. A strong stock stock market and a strong economy are not the same thing. Uh, They usually go in the same direction, but not always. But uh, I think only about half of Americans have exposure to the stock market. And most of them, it's in their uh, retirement plan, their 401k or their pension. Um, And the other half does not own stocks. So uh, they uh, might okay, stock market's up. That must be good for the country, but it's not helping me. Well, you can argue real estate affects a heck of a lot more people than the stock market would. And rents. I mean, a lot of people don't even own own property. They rent. So I think one great question we'll know by this time next year is, is from Trump's perspective, is the stock market peaking too early? Um, And, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen to the stock market in 2020. But we sure have people forecasting uh, everything. We have people forecasting uh, a correction, which is a 10% uh, decline. We have people forecasting a bear market, a 20% decline. And we have a lot of people saying, no, we think it's just going to keep going back up. I That's what I'm hearing. I mean, I, Goldman Sachs came out and said they expect the, the S&P to rise 6% next year. And uh, they have a they have a price target of thirty four hundred on the S and P five hundred. Yeah. That's pretty much where the big firms are. are. Well, I, I haven't a, I haven't single I haven't, digit gain. For I the haven't market. done a scientific analysis on this, but um, my sense is that uh, first of all, trade Wall Street firms are notoriously over optimistic mm-hmm. in their in their projections. <laughs> they almost always well, they're predict they're projecting nine percent earnings growth, and every everybody I'm to all the analysts I'm talking to say that is way too optimistic. Uh, and, you know, there are, are good lookbacks. We've done them. Others have done them. What did what, what did Wall Street predict for the year and did they get it right? Mm-hmm. And when you have a down year in the stock market, almost nobody pr- predicts it. I mean, stocks do mostly go up over time rather than go down, but they have down years. And, 
you know, it's, it's, it just seems like it's in Wall Street's interest. And, we're, you know, big, the trading firms we're talking about, Goldman, Morgan Stanley, uh, Bank of America, and so on. It's, it's kind of in their interest to, uh, you know, prime the animal spirits and get everybody thinking, uh, yeah, you got to be in the market. I mean, that's where they make their money. The uh, economic forecasting firms are not so optimistic. I mean, they do, they do point out what seems to be a mismatch between earnings growth and stock levels. They point out where um, what sectors seem to be overvalued in the stock market. They often don't go as far as actually making an S&P 500 prediction. But there's a lot, you know, Oxford Economics is doing it. They're, they're saying we see a lot of overvalued sector, sectors in the stock market. So, you know, stocks can be overvalued and still go up. I mean, that's arguably oh, has no. been happening really, this Luke? year. I think maybe that's been <laughs> happening this year. So can, we've can seen, Trump... We've seen that story play Can out. Trump keep it going? I mean, we don't know right now. But... Uh, you know, we're probably not going to get more, much more stimulus from the Federal Reserve. So part of the run-up this year, uh, part of it, is, by the way, has been a uh, has been a snapback from the almost twenty percent decline we saw last fall. I mean, stocks bottomed That's out. That's a good point. We stocks, weren't we weren't rising yeah, higher. Yeah, we, we from had a high almost point. a bear market in a, in the space of about three months that uh, ended or bottomed out right around this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've seen a snapback from that, but we've also now had more easing. We've had Fed easing and something that also looks like quantitative easing in the repo market, but the Fed says, no, it's not quantitative right. easing. But they're injecting you know, f- f- money in a way that equals monetary stimulus, um, and I think that has also been a factor. Also, stock buybacks have been a factor. Um, we've got a chart, a chart in here, uh, Oxford Economics saying um, – one of the uh, the real effect of the tax cut that went into effect in 2018 was not investment. We have not we've actually seen slowing uh, corporate investment, not uh, not growing corporate investment. But we've we've seen record stock buybacks and very large dividend increases. Another factor pushing stocks up. So well, one of the reasons why they're saying capital expenditures may be down is because there's just this uncertainty hanging yep. over the heads of CEOs yeah. regarding trade, and so they're afraid to make those investments. So maybe. That's why they're saying let's pour some money back into our own stock and buy it up. Right. And there's nothing inherently bad or wrong with stock buybacks, but it's – Well, to it Elizabeth was, Warren there is. To yeah, Sanders well, there is. But it was not the intended – well, if it, it might have been intended. It was not the stated goal of the tax cuts. Uh, the stated goal of the tax cuts was to uh, boost take-home pay for ordinary workers – Eh, you know, uh, very limited evidence that that's happened. There, uh, there was a what se- to me seemed a very convoluted uh, piece in the Wall Street Journal by Gary Cohn and Kevin Hassett, two former uh, White House economic advisors, declaring victory in the tax cuts. And they um, they don't use normal figures like median pay and average hourly earnings. They use these more complicated figures to show look how much money people are actually making. And forecasting firms and the economic research firms say we see very little of that. Mm-hmm. What about the energy sector? I mean, that's one sector. You're talking about overvalued areas of the market. That, you know, energy has been sucking wind yep. for most of 2019. Yes. Where does that lie and the jobs that go along with it in 2020 as we move closer to election yeah, day? Yeah, en- energy. So this is we, – we saw this, you know, tremendous fracking boom over the last decade uh, and, and the United States barely has to import oil anymore. Um, and 
but the problem is low oil prices and low natural gas prices. So it's not economic to operate a lot of these wells. And we could, we're definitely seeing stress in that in that area. And uh, banks are actually starting to raise the lending requirements because they're worried they're not going to get their money back if some of these mostly midsize um, energy firms go bust. Um, we this has happened before, and energy busts tend to. Uh, I mean, they hurt the energy belt. They they hurt in Louisiana and Texas. But they tend to stay isolated. I mean, we saw a terrible wipeout there in the 1980s, um, and it didn't cause it. You know, it doesn't doesn't it didn't cause a, a national recession. Bad for those states. And I, you know, since that tends to be concentrated in Trump-friendly states, um, probably won't hurt Trump that much if it if there is a downturn in energy. There is a little bit of possibility though that um, Texas could vote Democrat, mm-hmm. Democratic. Um, probably not, but it's plausible. Um, so again, we're talking about these sort of isolated pockets of worry. And uh, if Trump get, remains as lucky on the economy as he has been so far, those things probably will not add up to a recession. But man, can unpredictable things happen. And, you know, it's just uh, it, it's it's possible that, you know, growth could slow a little bit and um, manufacturing uh, might spill out into the broader economy somehow. So, to my mind, the um, the thing that would start to hurt Trump, short of a recession, I'm not. Uh, I'm just putting a recession likelihood on the side because it just doesn't seem. And likely. so are most market professionals right. at this point. Right. Um, although I will say, in their forecast, Oxford Economics says only a 35 percent likelihood of recession in the next six months. I think that's, that's not relatively small. high. 35 percent is not small. Yeah. Um, nonetheless. Do they say why? If, if, if a trade truce doesn't happen, is that the it, thing it would that be would these get us things, there? It would be these things we're talking about. Um, slowdown in corporate spending, uh, trade uncertainty. Um, job losses. Uh, job losses. So that is the thing. Mm-hmm. So one thing we have just not heard much about in the last 10 years is layoffs. Uh, and Challenger Grand Christmas uh, is a placement firm that tracks layoffs. They're very low. And um, people who are getting laid off when it does happen, I mean, you know, it does happen. But they can generally find other jobs. There I mean, aren't there are these a lot mass of places. layoffs, too. There was a time when we right. just every, – every day I felt like we were reporting on mass right. layoffs from yet another so company. So the thing that would start to hurt is if we start to have layoffs – and people start to hear about them. Um, and, and it's it, you, you don't have to. It, I don't think it hurts that much if somebody gets laid off ten states away, and you read about it in the paper, or hear about it on the internet. Um, I think it matters if you start to know people or know of people in your community that are getting laid off and are not able to find jobs. Um, and that is a confidence uh, killer. Um, so that has not been happening. So confidence has stayed. Uh, pretty good consumer confidence, CEO confidence. Um, people know about the trade war. They know it's a, it's a it's an issue. But aside from the business slow the slowdown in business spending, this is not um, bothering consumers really. So, the I think the thing the real risk for Trump is do, do things happen that start to um, bother consumers? Do they pull in spending a little bit? Because if consumers were to pull in spending. That is a recession scenario because it's consumer spending right now, not business spending, that's keeping the economy. That 1.5% growth or 2% we're talking about, it's consumers fueling that, not businesses. So um, Trump needs to keep Americans feeling good about their prospects. Well, it's the age old, what have you done for me lately? And totally. that's what, what we'll all be asking as we head uh, to the polls, right? If pe- It's people's perception. Do I feel wealthier? Do I feel better off than I was four years ago? We're right. seeing some signs of the housing market showing some life again, too. That could actually work in Trump's favor. 
all of these things can. I mean, um, and the, the, the reality is, I think many voters talking today, you know, it's still 11 months before the election. I think many voters today are better off than they were when Trump took office. I mean, we and they should be. We've had a growing economy. Even if it's growing modestly, it's growing. We don't have any obvious bubbles. If you're lucky enough to have some money invested in the stock market, you're doing great. Um, those things were mostly true under Obama's second term. But Something happened between Obama's second term and Trump's first term, which is we just got further along in a recovery. Uh, and when you get the unemployment rate down below 5% and then down below 4%, where it is at 3.5%, um, that's just good. I mean, uh, you you're, uh, you you feel confident in your job. You don't think you think your uh, job security is pretty good. Um, so that makes you willing to spend money. People are getting modest raises overall. So um, if these things continue at the same level they're at now, I think that's great for Trump's odds. I personally think he's going to lose. Um, I think that all the other issues are if we have an economy like we have today on Election Day, I think the other issues uh, and Democratic turnout is going to be huge and uh, some other things. I think he will actually lose. So wait a minute. If I hear this right, you're making a prediction 11 months out that President Trump will not win re-election. That's correct. Yeah. We're going to hold I think you to this now. And We're I, all hearing oh, this. That's fine. We're witnesses. That's fine. Even if the economy is is as good as it is right now, uh, and it's probably not going to be better than it is right now. what scenario does this happen? Who has to win the Democratic primary in order for your scenario to play out? Um, let's say somebody crazy, as long as it's somebody crazy, doesn't win. As long as somebody um, Bernie, crazy doesn't Bernie win. Bernie Sanders, is, um, in my book, is marginally crazy. Um, if if Trump runs against Bernie Sanders, he will beat Bernie Sanders. So but Biden, would Biden be the, I the, think so. the biggest threat? I think so. Unless uh, – so barring uh, unforeseen oddities like uh, Joe Biden has a heart attack the day before the election or something, you know, or he somehow his health falters uh, in the fall or something like that. Um, I think a couple of things are going to happen. I think Democratic turnout is going to be absolutely huge. Um, I think Barack Obama is going to uh, aggressively campaign on behalf of whoever the Democrat uh, Democratic nominee is. He has been silent so far, um, which is appropriate. I mean, the last president should just let the current president do his job and not um, be running his mouth off all the time. But I think Obama for sure is going to aggressively campaign for the Democrat. That's going to help a ton with uh, minority voters. Um, and I think Mike Bloomberg, I don't think he's going to get the nomination, but I think he's going to spend half of his fortune trying to beat Trump. He's also going to splinter the vote. He'll splinter the vote. He would. Um, but in it, well, favor he, of Well, whom? that's if he ran as an independent. Um, but yeah, he's running as a Democrat now. I mean, in terms of the primary, he would he would splinter the vote within the within the Democratic Party for the primary winner. Uh it, I'm not sure he's even he at that steal, level yet. I mean, he's he's does, getting. Uh, does Mike Bloomberg steal votes from which candidate? Is really the question. I would have to think probably Biden, Biden probably right. Joe Biden. I mean, same, same so similar could that demographic actually skew profile. it enough that you get a Warren who is the winner? You get a Bernie it Sanders could. who it is could. the winner. So I think Elizabeth Warren could beat Trump. I think Biden, Buttigieg, Bloomberg could beat Trump. I don't think Bernie Sanders could beat Trump, but I don't think Bernie Sanders is going to be the nominee. All right. Well, here you heard it. So I think so my prediction is we will have a pretty good economy in 2020 and Trump is going to lose anyway. All right. Well, then we're going to have lots of new podcasts to do if yeah, that is the scenario. I'm teeing, it up. I'm teeing to it. it up for 2020, baby. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And Trump, be sure I'm to... afraid you're oh, going he's, down. You're making him topple already. I think that's premature. I think we need no to. No disrespect intended. I just bring him back. That's just our metaphor for. Uh, all right. Look, we've touched them all for good luck. All right, there we go. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> be sure to rate review what you just heard and saw. And uh, be sure to follow me at Alexis TV News. And me at Rick J. Newman. Thanks. We'll catch you next time. Mm -hmm.